This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget that you can download or subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen to WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. Now, here's your Kane's Corner Podcast host, Adam Gold. Welcome to another edition of the Canes Corner Podcast. I'm Adam Gold. We have two guests today. Uh, We'll talk about fan engagement between the Carolina Hurricanes and you, the fan. Uh, Mike Foreman, who's the Vice President of Marketing and Brand Strategy for the Hurricanes, will join us. We'll do that first. Uh, And then we'll uh, take a break from the NHL team uh, because I feel like we've been doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. But, of course, when you win a lot, uh, that's not terrible. And we'll talk about some of the, uh, the future Hurricanes. And for that, we'll bring in the voice of the Charlotte Checkers, Jason Shia to talk about uh, whether it's uh, Marty Natchez, Yanni Kwokinen, Jake Bean, uh, and others. We'll spend some time uh, talking about Alex Nedeljkovic as well. So we've got those two things uh, coming up. Real quick, because I wanted to uh, spend a little bit of time talking about, not much, talking about this team and the run that they're on uh, and recording this on Wednesday, the day after the overtime loss in Boston. Now, real quick about that game, and we we try not to be game-specific here, uh, but there are a number of ways to look at the 4-3 overtime loss in Boston. Uh, One way is, hey, you had a two-goal lead. You blew a two-goal lead. They did. There's no question about that. The other way to look at that is against one of the best teams in the NHL, a team that at least in my opinion, is a bona fide Stanley Cup contender. I realize the gap between Tampa and Boston, between Tampa and everybody else in the NHL in terms of points, is substantial. Uh, If you don't think Boston is a bona fide Cup contender, you're not paying attention. Um, so I think going into the building of one of the best teams in hockey and coming away with a point when you were trailing in the third period, I think is is substantial. And so you, you could look at it any number of ways. You could be mad that they blew a two-goal lead. You could be elated that they rallied in the third period to tie the game and send it to overtime. Uh, you can be elated that essentially all four Boston goals were handed to the Bruins. I mean, puck management issues have really been, I think, the biggest problem for this team all year, more so than goaltending, more so than the power play, uh, which they didn't score in the power play last night, but and they give a power uh, a shorthanded goal. Uh, but whether it's uh, you know a defensive zone giveaway in the uh, on the first goal when Dougie Hamilton couldn't couldn't get the puck out of the zone, uh, Jacob Slavin uh, goes down to his knees, mismanages the puck, and it gets Boston going at the end of this toward the end of the second period for the second goal, the shorthanded goal, which was Justin Falk and and Justin Williams kind of combining. It was a soft pass, and then Williams couldn't stop Brad Marchand from getting out of the zone a two on one. You're not going to stop, you know, two Hall of Fame players in that particular situation with Ajo as your defenseman. Uh, And then uh, Justin Falk, I guess, waiting for a line change in overtime, which is why he was sort of stationary behind the goal. And then Jake DeBrus just took the puck from him. But those are essentially all Hurricanes created problems. And because of that, 
it's uh, it just became, I mean, that was a game of Carolina's mistakes led to Boston goals, and that was the difference. Uh, you can't do that when you're playing a team as good as Boston. On the, the flip side of that is Boston kind of forces you into making mistakes at times because they are that good. But I think there was a lot to be proud of for Carolina. Ajo scored in four straight games. Justin Williams continues to score big goals. He's got 19 on the season, nine of which have come in the third period. That that sounds significant to me when basically half of your goals come in the most critical time times of the game. And frankly, I don't remember a Justin Williams goal that wasn't significant. I really don't. Uh, so this team is trending in the right direction, obviously. They are right now in third place in the Metropolitan Division. They are tied with Pittsburgh, but they have the tiebreak with one more regulation or overtime win, a row if you will, and uh, Columbus is a couple of points back. Uh, Right now, they are, I believe, just outside the playoffs. But look, uh, we can look at it all day long, the difference between Carolina, Pittsburgh, Columbus, Montreal, who is uh, hanging on to a playoff spot as well. There's almost no difference. you got to beat those teams down the stretch. you got to play better, and Carolina will play all of these teams. Pittsburgh, Columbus, which is coming up, by the way, pretty soon. Montreal, they have two with Washington. They're not out of the woods. Uh, I think the Islanders are uh, are, are ripe to kind of slide down the ladder just a touch, although they have had a great year uh, without question. So real quick, before we get to Mike Foreman, Here's what's up for the Hurricanes over the next four games. Because we've been saying this all year long. This will tell us a lot. This will tell us a lot. And we have answered, we've seen this team answer a lot of questions in a positive way, especially since 2019 began. Winnipeg at home on Friday. I mean, they're all must-wins because you need to compile a lot of points. I've said this before. The Hurricanes need to figure out a way to get to 98 points. That is going to be the number. I think that'll be the last number, 98. 100 would be even better. Um, But Winnipeg on Friday, at Nashville on Saturday, then at Colorado and at Columbus in this stretch, they will only have, I believe, four more road games left this season. They would have nine of their final 13 at home. I think, it was, I think it's 9 out of your final 13, whatever the number is, or 9 out of your final 12. I don't, off the top of my head, I, I might get that wrong. But this stretch is going to really give them a great indication. It could, you could open up room here because Pittsburgh and Columbus have a home-and-home home coming up this week. While Carolina is playing, as a matter of fact, by the time they're done playing at Nashville on Saturday— the Penguins and Blue Jackets will have played each other twice. So if Carolina plays those two games well, and Pittsburgh and Columbus don't produce a pair of three-point games, which, by the way, every game on Tuesday night, it seemed, was a three-point game, and Carolina could be in pretty good shape against one of those teams, if not both of those teams. So these games coming up over the next week are absolutely vital. And the see this the schedule at the very end of the season loosens up a little bit, but man, think about this: the Hurricanes have six regulation losses since 2019 began. That's it, just six, right? They're uh, 20 or 21, 21, six, and two since <laughs> since New Year's Eve or whatever it is. Of those six regulation losses, four are to teams 
way outside of the playoffs. They lost to the Rangers twice. They lost to Ottawa. They lost to the Devils. The other two losses are Tampa on the road in a game where they played great, and Calgary here, another game in which they played very well, just didn't win. So the teams outside the playoffs, these are not easy marks. This is where the Hurricanes' losses have generally come. So uh, this is a great stretch. Winnipeg Friday at home, at Nashville, at Colorado, at Columbus. I you know, hate to use the cliche, we'll find out a lot between now and the end of that stretch. All right, now to other matters. So Mike Foreman is the Vice President of Marketing and Brand Strategy for the Carolina Hurricanes. That's a fancy title, sir. I just know you as Mike, uh, who, uh, like I do, kind of agonizes in late-game situations in the corner uh, down where the Hurricanes shoot in the third period. What's up? What's going on? We look forward to those visits every game, though. (laughs) Of course you do. Uh, You know, there was a time last year where I was like the kiss of death. If I left the the press box to go downstairs, it was a guarantee that the other team was going to score, uh, in general, a tying goal. Yeah, we used to tell you to just stay up on five, and we'd hope not to see you down there. Definitely not the the elevator trip where... There's usually a, a it's probab- scored by the other team. It's probably a wise move. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's get to a bunch of things, uh, if we could. Uh, the first of which is something called Epiphany, or like I guess that maybe that's the company that we're dealing with. And it's how uh, the, uh, the Hurricanes are trying to connect with fans, uh, you know, using technology. So explain what this whole process is. Yeah, uh, we just started our partnership uh, last Friday, actually, with Epiphany. We've been talking with them for months. They're locally based, which is great. Um, And what it is, it's a mobile platform, and it sends brief surveys to our fans um, through our app. Uh, So anyone that has favorited favorited the Hurricanes within the NHL app um, will receive a push notification after the game. Sometimes it'll be within an hour after the game. Other times it might be the next morning. Um, But encouraging people to to fill out a survey. They can win great prizes like jerseys or tickets to an upcoming game. Um, And what it's really doing for us and hopefully for our fans is just kind of learning a little bit more about each fan, trying to paint kind of a a 360 profile on everyone in the building, what's working well, what's not working well, what we can do to improve immediately, what are things we should be looking at for next season, you know, things that are going really well. It's always good to hear things that mm-hmm. are, are going positively. It doesn't always have to be a negative. Um, and, you know, a great example is, you know, we launched it last Friday. Um, and, you know, it was a great day to launch. It was an exciting game, two good teams. We played great. We had a Vander Holyfield here. <laughs> uh, you know, couldn't have launched on a better day. We had over 1,600 people fill out the survey after the really? game uh, with a 96% satisfaction rate overall. Um, so a lot of things went really well, and it happened to be kind of the, the perfect storm to, to launch it, but um, really good way to kick it off. Perfect storm. I see what you did there. Mike Foreman, yeah. who is the vice president of marketing and brand strategy for the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, I was going to ask you, you kind of led me into it, the, the, the rate of response. In most cases, with surveys, the rate of response is not great. Uh, 1,600 responses from people, and not everybody in the arena has the app. I mean, uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, I mean, I cover the team, and uh, I'm, you know, kind of 
Uh, I try to be plugged in. I don't have the NHL app. I don't so so I don't even have it. So what 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 do you think the rate of response was? How many people declined to to answer the survey? Yeah, first off, we'll change that next game. So next time you come down to visit on A at the end of the game, we're going to download the app. That'll be Friday against the Jets. Okay, yeah. So Friday, we're going to download that app for you. Um, But we also had some other calls to action as well if you didn't have the app. So we had an in-game read and graphic um, during the third period to let people know about this. Um, And we also posted on our our Twitter account the next morning. So kind of a three-pronged attack there that – Right. Either you have the app, you'd, you'd find out about it, or in-game, or on social, um, just to make sure, because we know not everyone has um, either one. Or Also, this, this also went out to currently through our app, which is um, powered by BAMTech Media. Okay. Uh, you cannot geofence. Um, so the survey did go out to anyone that has favorited our app, not just if you were in the building that night. Okay. Um, so we did have a number of people that filled out the survey that were not at that game. Um, but we're still trying to collect data on them. Right. It's all dynamic questions that, you know, if you answered were you at the game and you said no, we still have a line of questioning for you that we're trying to, to you know, discover a little more about that individual. Uh-huh. So, you know, I guess you, know, you, you could ask what are you trying to gain uh, from all of these and uh, from all of these kind of ideas, but obviously you're trying to gain, trying to engage with your fans, especially those that, uh, that pay money to come into the building. Uh, so uh, toot your own horn. What, what did they like? What, what have fans let you know works for them? Yeah, I mean, to answer, kind of, I guess, the first part of the question, what are we trying to do? We're always striving to you know, increase and, and uh, the overall fan experience. And, you know, we can't control what happens on the ice, and it happens to be it's been a really fun year what's happening on the ice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, since we can't control that, can we control your experience from the time you – um, are about to enter property through the time you leave the game. So a lot of the feedback deals with our, our, our traffic, ingress and egress, <laughs> parking, concessions, merchandise, friendliness of staff, you know, your ticketing rep, um, in-game promotions. What, you know, if, did you notice any of the, you know, if there was a theme night or appreciation night, did you notice those aspects? You know, so we're trying to learn kind of what drives someone's satisfaction and happiness um, obviously with what happens on the ice, but, you know, especially so on our end, what happens off the ice. Um, and a really good test for us is going to be, and shoot, we have nine home games left, and I hope we go 9-0 and in them, but right. we are going to plan to send out the survey if we do lose one of those games as well because we want to see the, the variance in mm-hmm. results. If we ask the exact same questions after a win versus after a loss, you know, how much does that, you know, on-ice <laughs> performance stick with you? With your, Did the popcorn actually taste better with a win than it did – after a loss, you know, those are the types of things we want to, to try to uncover a little bit more. Mike Foreman, Vice President, Marketing Brand Strategy, Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I will answer, I'll tell you this right now, not enough Bunch of Jerks t-shirts. Actually, my, my complaint is not, uh, not that, because I do have a t-shirt. Uh, my complaint yep. is uh, car flags, coffee mugs, koozies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, toques. There, bunch of jerks should be on everything imaginable. Sweatshirts, uh, mouse pads. Does anybody use a mouse pad anymore? I don't know. I don't uh, think anyone uses that. Anymore. Yeah, I don't think so. Actually, there's one in front of me. Uh, but uh, not enough merchandise with bunch of jerks on it. And they should all be uh, with the pattern of a Don Cherry suit jacket. <laughs> I like that idea. We actually, you will be happy. We do have a couple more items coming in. Good. Um, on a small scale, but just to kind of see the demand beyond the T-shirt. 
Um, I actually just got hoodie samples in my office today. Um, so that's one. We're looking at pucks. We're looking at stickers and decals. Um, a couple other things that you'll can expect to see in the eye in the next couple of days. Playing cards, everything with uh, everything, with, with <laughs> everywhere, everything, because uh, they are. They really are a bunch. Of, it, it really is very cool how. And I said this to the head coach. I said it to the owner, uh, Rod Brindamore and Tom Dunn, respectively. And people don't know that what Don Cherry did was as good for the organization as anything maybe aside from the storm surge because it galvanized people and gave them a kind of a rallying cry because it whether it's you know whatever it takes in 2006 and you're too young to to remember that uh, or any of the other slogans like the idiots in Boston in 2004 these types of things have a way of bringing fans and a team together i mean i assume you've noticed some stuff like that yeah i mean i think it even came up with either whether it was you or someone else asked tom about it and was he upset by the comments mm-hmm. and he said something along the lines of i wanted to thank him yeah you know it, it was one of those that you know it, it somewhat fell into our laps but at the same time we also had to be prepared to you know turn that into a positive and i think that was great that our staff was kind of the word nimble has been used a lot but was nimble enough to you know turn something around really quickly as a rallying cry because if we let that go even 24 more hours i don't know if it would have caught on like wildfire wildfire like it did um the fact that we acted quickly and you know did become a rallying cry and likely will become a rallying cry for the rest of the season because it's something that you know our 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 team our organization our fan base you know we haven't had kind of a national presence in a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And something like this gave us that national presence and and very much in a positive way um, because it it wasn't just our fans coming together. Fans of, you know, we were hearing from from people all around the country, all around the world, and 90-plus percent, uh, you know, loved this concept and love what we're doing with it. So it's been great to have, and, you know, hopefully we can carry something like this into the postseason. I also think that, by and large, people have enjoyed the storm surge, even if there is faux outrage out there. And we thank Don Cherry for that. We thank former Whalers general manager Brian Burke for that. Uh, but for the most part, I think most people have kind of uh, like agreed that the storm surge is cool. I mean, it's fun. Sports are supposed to be fun. Uh, and it's not like you guys, uh, the team is doing it after goals or after losses. They're doing it. When the game is over, nobody's getting hurt. Yeah, we we. I mean, there's from a marketing perspective, we, we almost wish it was us that came up with it, just with how unbelievably genius it is from <laughs> from our, the marketing world. That you know, led by the team, you know, Justin Williams and the players that created this concept, you know, were able to find something that engages directly with your fan base you can't really replicate it outside of the building so you need to be here to experience it which is something that marketers and every team every sport around the world are struggling with because the viewing experience is so good at home you know but we found something that you really need to feel to be a part of it here in person and then you know the third part is you found something that keeps people here all game so you know you're here every game but you look around and it doesn't matter what the score is if we're winning or if it's close no, no Canes fans are leaving anymore. Right. I mean, everyone wants to see what's coming next. And um, this past Friday was going to be a tough one to top. Um, but <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure they are, you know, 
kind of thinking about some some ideas that can come close, but that one's going to be a pretty tough one to top. Uh, yeah, look, there, there's it, it was amazing. Uh, Jordan Martinook, by the way, did a very good job of acting because if Evander Holyfield had actually hit him with that left hook, uh, the Hurricanes would be looking for a new third-line center. Mike Foreman from the Hurricanes is joining us here. Real quick, uh, before, we, uh, before we put a wrap on this, I know attendance is up. We can obviously feel the vibe in the building for those of us who are there on a regular basis. Now, attendance is normally up second half of the year. Anytime we get toward, you know, beyond the holidays, attendance goes up, football is over, but college basketball is in full swing and attendance has still been pretty good. Uh, What have you guys felt at the gate uh, and as you engage with your customers? Yeah, I mean, it, obviously, it's it's a good observation. And just from two years ago, we're up 18% what our our season average attendance was from two seasons ago. Um, last year was really was hugely successful for us. When you really step back and think about it, we went up 13% in average attendance last year, and that was in year nine of a playoff drought. Right. Um, you know, now that we have a team that's competing and and very much in the thick of things we're up another five percent off of last year's total which was 13 percent from the year prior so you know for us we're seeing it at the gate we're seeing you know even more than just at the gate you're seeing it around town you can't go out to a restaurant you can't go out to the gym or anything without seeing more canes apparel on and you know we we a few of us grabbed a bite to eat after the game on friday and um local bar restaurant and there were just random let's go canes chants breaking out and no Canes highlights on the TV. It was just breaking out there because <laughs> people are just they're just excited about this team and excited about you know where we're headed and where where we're already at. Um, so you know obviously we're seeing it at the gate and you can you know the public numbers you can look up from an attendance standpoint and um, we're really excited about where it's headed. We're excited that you know we have another Friday night game. We have three more Saturday games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have games that you know at least in terms of day of the week that draw for us um, at least half of our home schedule remaining and. That doesn't even include that we have Pittsburgh and Washington during midweek games, which should be big crowds. So, you know, we're excited with how you know we're going to finish here in these last nine home games. Should be uh, should be a lot of fun playoff games if uh, if it all works out that way. And I am not a cart before the horse kind of guy, even though there are people out there that would have you believe this team is in great playoff position. There's so much hockey still to play, and it's all very close. Uh, but it should be a blast. I remember uh, 09 and 06 and 02 and 01. The place is electric. Uh, I'll see you. You can download whatever apps you want, within reason, whatever, whatever apps you want on my phone on Friday against the Winnipeg Jets. Mike Foreman, who is the vice president of marketing and brand strategy for the Carolina Hurricanes. If you need to reach him, by all means, hit him up on Twitter at mforeman. Five. Your Demon Deacons almost beat your Blue Devils. Did I get that right? Don't you root for both teams? I can't go wrong there. I got a <laughs> grad of both schools. Yeah, it was, it was, I was guaranteed to win last night, so um, I won. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. A few times this year, the Carolina Hurricanes had to dip down into the minor league affiliations for reinforcements. Uh, it, there was a time where it was Nick Waugh. There was a time where it was Clark Bishop. And then Saku Manalenin and Greg McKegg came up. And those two guys have not left. Uh, we've also dipped into the minor leagues for a broadcaster, because John Forslund is a superstar who works for NBC, and sometimes he works for NBC, and we go down to the minor leagues. 
but we don't have a run-of-the-mill minor leaguer down there. Jason Shia, who's been doing this a long time, is the voice of the Charlotte Checkers, uh, and we wanted to catch up with him to talk about why McKegg and Manalunen and some of the other guys have been so good. Well, McKegg was already an established pro player when he was traded for. It was Josh Juris last year. So we got McKegg. Juris, I right. believe, went to Pittsburgh. I think that's what it was. Yeah, one for one. And McKegg came in and was, it was putting up over a point per game going into the playoffs. He was one of the best players, if not the best player, in beating his old team, Wilkes-Barre, in a first-round sweep. So what we saw from Greg McKegg was a, a player like he was shot out of a cannon. And it really carried over into this season where he was our first-line center and, and the engine for the team offensively. But I, I, I remember bumping into Greg McKegg's dad during the year and saying to him and his dad and his mom, Greg McKegg's dad and mom, saying, your son, I think, is the, is the perfect hockey player. He does nothing poorly. He's great in all three zones. He's a total and complete pro. He's a great teammate, and he just happens to be one of our best players. So I'm not surprised at all. Greg McKegg is a very smart player. He plays hard. He's the type of player you think Rod Brindamore would like. So it's no surprise to me that he's been able to stick in the lineup. Um, Sacramento Lennon is a, is a kid who came in, really wasn't sure what we were going to get with him. But he's a big body. He skates well. I mean, he works as a, as a pretty good desk guy. So mm-hmm. I'm not surprised that he's able to stay up there as well. I think they've done a good job of limiting his minutes. I don't, you don't want him playing 12 or 15 minutes a night. But, I mean, he's done well with the role he's been given and, uh, and good for them. And, you know, talk about Hayden Fleury. I'm a big Hayden Fleury fan. He needs time to play. He needs to be playing. So, I, you know, I think the Canes think the same thing. If he's not playing regularly in the National Hockey League and he's on an entry-level deal, let him play and eat up minutes in Charlotte. But in my estimation, Hayden Fleury is an NHL defenseman. Well, he played 67 games a year ago, uh, had his ups and downs like every rookie does, but uh, for the most part it was a good first season, maybe not a great first season from somebody who was, what, the seventh overall pick in his draft year, which I uh, 2014, I think. Uh, but uh, I, uh, here's what I do know for a fact. The two games he just had to play – in the in the throes of a uh, a stretch where the Hurricanes have established themselves at a as a bona fide playoff contender, uh, right? Hayden Flurry was outstanding for two games. You almost hate to take him out of the lineup, but with Calvin DeHaan coming back uh, and Justin Falk's injury not serious enough to take him out of the lineup, I mean they. I mean, it's a numbers game, uh, but Hayden Flurry was really good for the two games he had to play. I agree with you. Uh, I thought he, he stepped right in, and you can credit that with the Canes having the foresight of saying we need to get him game. So rather than putting a defenseman in who's been sitting in the press box, you put a defenseman who's already been playing, and that's a great thing for Flurry to have been doing. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I do believe that, that Flurry has the tools. The one thing I'd say is there's a little bit of a disconnect between the confidence he has in the American Hockey League because – you know, clearly he's been able to play here a lot. And the inconsistency of the NHL, which has led to perhaps a lack of confidence in playing up there. So it's, you need time. You need to keep playing. The only way to get better is to keep doing right. it. So once Fleury gets a, a regular rotation in the lineup, I think you're going to see him become more of the player that we're acquainted to seeing at the American League level. Yeah, I think the two games he played, he played with confidence. And uh, I thought his the aggressive way he played, I thought, really served him very well. That, Let- that's... That's, what, that's the other thing, too, is that people don't realize about Hayden. I mean, off the ice, we're not going to meet a nicer guy. Yeah. But on the ice, he has an edge to him. I mean, the guy plays with a snarl. He plays with an attitude. And when you see that, it's kind of eye-opening because you think, oh, first-round draft pick, 
high draft pick, lots of skill. He's got all the skill. He can skate well, makes you know great first passes, actually has an underrated shot. But he's also kind of an ordinary guy on the ice, too. And, it, and his brother, weirdly enough, plays the same way in, uh, in Laval. They both have that edge to them. So that's within the Fleury DNA. And once he plays more in the NHL, you're going to see it more as well. All right, let's talk about a couple of guys who were here for, you know, maybe different lengths of time and now are in Charlotte uh, and the adjustments that they've had to make. So uh, spend a little time talking about Martin Natchez and Yanni Kuokkanen. Uh Natchez is, of course, you know, at the beginning of this season, he was supposed to be uh, one of the centers, one of the, you know, it was going to be Ajo making the move, Jordan Stahl, Marty Natchez. Those were going to be the three centers, uh, and who knows who was going to be uh, the fourth guy after that. And uh, Victor Rask was probably in the mix, too. Um, and it didn't work out well, and seven games in, he was sent back. So we'll get to Quoken in a second, but uh, what have you seen from Natchez from the time he got there, and I know he moved to the right wing for a while, uh, to where he right. is right now? Well, they've moved him back the last game, maybe the last two games, to right wing. And he looks like a different player. So let me preface by saying I'm not prescribing someone should play somewhere. If he wants to be a center, the Canes want to be a center. I hope he's the best center in the world. But in terms of playing the right wing and playing center, it's a different nature. He won player of the week after a series of playing games on the right side where he was putting up multiple points every single game. He's a kid who has tremendous speed. He can do things at a very, very high rate of speed with a great shot and a really, really you know, good set of hands. Um, the defensive responsibilities, I think, were maybe a little bit overwhelming playing against men as a 19-year-old kid. <laughs> right. In the American Hockey League, people don't know. If you don't see it on a regular basis, you're not playing against children. You're not playing against teenagers. for the mo- You're playing against grown men who make a living doing this. Right. Same thing in the NHL. You want to bump someone out of their spot? That's someone who makes a living feeding their families, playing in a particular role. You're really going to have to beat them out. And so Natchez comes into a league playing against men as a thinner kid, having never played against, you know, in North American style. Yeah, there's a learning curve. Yeah, it's nice to say we can slot someone in the second line center in the NHL, a kid who's never played there on a consistent basis. It's a whole other thing to actually do it. So he needs time in the American Hockey League. And, and I think, again, working with Mike Bellucci, who has put numerous players from junior hockey into the NHL ranks, it takes time. It takes a long time to learn the position. And I think it's coming. I mean, it's, it's really trending in the right direction. So I think one of the big things was removing a little bit of the defensive responsibilities and let him just play the game on the wing. But over time, he'll more than likely be a center, and he'll, he'll be a highly skilled center as well. And, and the, the, the truth is, is that right now, uh, and this is what Rod Brindamore found out here, is that he was ill-suited to be a fourth-line center, and that's where right. uh, that's where ultimately he was going to have to be. Uh, and I think it was the game at Tampa where he did score his first NHL goal, and he was sent down the next day. And I talked to Rod after that. He said, every time I put him on the ice, Tampa sent out J.T. Miller, who is an ornery, physical, right. crafty center, or the Stamkos line. And he said, I couldn't, I could, I just couldn't put uh, Natchez on the ice, knowing that he was about to be taken advantage of by uh, by two incredible professionals, Jason Shia, voice of the uh, Charlotte Checkers with us on the Canes Corner part podcast. Uh, Yanni Kuokkanen. Um, I don't know what, I mean, he seemed a little slow up here, maybe a little deliberate up here, uh, maybe too cerebral, I don't know. Um, but I, we've seen him, he's got an incredible skill set. He's a very smart player. How has he been since coming, coming back to the Checkers? 
also when when he was up for the games around Christmas time, I think Yanni was hampered by an injury, an injury that actually took him out of the American Hockey League All Star game as well. So he and it took him out of Checkers games as well because he just needed time to heal. And so I, I do feel for him and getting a chance to play in the National Hockey League and not having all the tools to do it. Right? We were talking mm-hmm. earlier about me losing my voice doing those games. Like, I really <laughs> wanted to call the games the best of my ability. It was like someone took my knee out before right. I was supposed to run a mile. And it's not, it, it just, it really sucks. So for, for Yanni to have to be in that position, he, he wants to play in the National Hockey League badly, but you also want to do it when you're ready to go. Having said that, I think he's, you know, he's, he's been back in the lineup and um, he's getting back to full health. But the one thing is with consistency, that's how you make the National Hockey League. He was an American Hockey League All-Star for a reason. They didn't pick him at random. He was there for a reason. But can you do it every single night? And here's the difference between someone like Lucas Walmart and, and some other players. I'm not pointing a quote in it, but whatever. Walmart did it every night here. Yeah. I mean, a bad night for Walmart was having just a, an assist. That was a bad night for him, right? Mm-hmm. The good nights, he was, you know, two goals and two assists and plus three. That was the, those are the, the, the normal Lucas Walmart type nights here. He was doing it every night. You cannot have one great game followed by three mediocre games and be a National Hockey League player. You can't do that. You don't get the benefit of the doubt. You don't have the credibility in the bank. You don't have that tucked away. Yanni's got to find a way to do it every night. Nature has to find a way to do it every single night. And when you dominate here on a regular basis, then people say, okay, time to move on. You've developed as far as you're going to develop in the American Hockey League. So let's, I know you haven't talked about him, but let's just take Jake Bean for a moment. Okay. He's trending in the right direction where every single night, Jake Bean is a factor for the checkers on the ice in a positive way. Even though against Lehigh Valley, a great team that played there, the affiliate of the, of the Flyers, okay. a couple of weekends ago, he didn't have, he didn't, I don't think he had a point in either game, and yet was still our best defenseman on the ice in those games because he's playing away from the puck as well as he is playing with the puck on his stick. So this is someone who I see every single day is getting better. Every day you're opening your eyes and going, wow, this kid's having a great night. He's playing 20 minutes a night because he deserves it. This is a kid who's trending towards playing in the National Hockey League on a regular basis. But if you can't do it wildly, you can't have one game where you have a hat trick as a forward, and then we don't see it for a week. You know, I could point to a lot of players who have very good moments but don't make careers out of it. Jason Shia is with us here, voice of the Charlotte Checkers. Uh, yeah, look, all the reports I've uh, I've heard from whether it's you or uh, some of the people who work for the Hurricanes, and it's their job to keep an eye on prospect, uh, or people around the the sport whose job it is to keep an eye on prospect, have said nothing but great things about Jake Bean. Uh, it was a slow start to his pro career. Look, almost looked like he was leveling off in junior. Uh, he didn't have a very good was it uh, World uh, was it World Junior uh, tournament or uh, playing for Team Canada this past summer where it didn't go as well. I think he, he he's getting some power play time and it wasn't going well and he was kind of uh, dropped from the regular rotation but it's it's nice to see that he's kind of bounced back. Let's talk about the uh, couple of other forwards uh, with that team. And I know we saw we saw Nick Waugh and we saw Clark Bishop here uh, last year. So we have a good idea of what those guys are about. Uh, but I'm curious as to the development of Julian Gauthier. Uh, who was in the same draft as Bean, taken about seven or eight spots after him. Incredible physical specimen. Um, but Mike Vellucci told me uh, earlier this year, needs to learn how to play the game. Uh, so what has he been like over the last few months? He's been better. I mean, he's been, you know, the, the first year I think was eye-opening for, for Julian because 
you go you go from playing in junior in every scenario. You know, you're on the ice in the last minute if you need a goal. You're, you're playing 30, 30 minutes a night as a forward. You can do no wrong. And then you step into pro hockey, and again, you realize uh, it's not that easy. And I can't get away with what I got away with before. You know, I can't pace myself during a game. It's an all-out sprint all the time. But he's got all the tools. There's nothing that Julian Gauthier doesn't have. He has all of these. If you look at him, you, you would think he was a joke, like a cartoon character. That's, how, <laughs> right. that's what he looks like, okay? And he, he is very, very tough to stop. Defensemen cannot move him off the puck when he dips his shoulder on the, on the wing right. and drives the net. He's gonna call, something's going to happen. Either the net's going to fly off its pegs and the goalie's going to go with it, or you know, Gauthier's going to get a really good scoring opportunity. So he's got, he's got you know, a little bit to work on in terms of the, the mental part of the game. I think that's fair. But, I, again, I think one of those kids who's going in the right direction, he's trending in the right direction. Jason Shia, voice of the Charlotte Checkers, is with us. I'm going to leave this part open-ended because uh, I want to – I mean, I, I could just go down the, the list. Alexi Sarella, Morgan Geeky, uh, Nick Schilke, who a lot of people may not know about. Um, you know, I, actually, I want to ask you about Andrew Podorowski, uh, who I guess is a, a kind of – it's a numbers game. It's a prospect game, and – Podorowski's not quite ideal size and weight and maybe pedigree, although the University of New Hampshire uh, certainly has put out uh, a lot of Carolina Hurricanes. Um, but I right. want to just kind of leave it open for you, uh, for you know people I've, I might have missed, guys who that you think could help the Hurricanes, uh, and if there's somebody in a top six role, they don't uh, have at it. Well, I mean, I think you point to Morgan Geeky. Let's take a look at him because he's a he's a rookie and he's a He's a kid who's put up, um, I think, 15 goals this year. Yeah. And that's not easy to do as a, as a kid coming into the American Hockey League either. Now, he has, he has a ways to go with a number of different factors, and most of them are physical. He's got to find a way to get bigger. He's got to work on his skating. Those are two things that he's got to do. But, all, but in terms of the, the, the mindset, in terms of the, the, the ability to shoot the puck and, and to play, he had to play first-line center a couple of games for us because we had Natchez out with an illness and – you know, we've had a couple of roster spots that have been moving around. And he went in there and played great. I mean, he was really, really good. So it's a little glimpse into what someone like that is going to be capable of doing when he fills out, when he you know, goes into his sophomore year. I don't, I don't see him right. making the Canes next year. But wait till he comes into a, a summer of training. This is what I was talking about with Dean earlier. When these guys go into the summer and go, all right, now I've experienced the year of pro. Now I, need to, I know what I need to do in order to be better for that. And then you go into your second year and your production skyrockets. Now we're talking about an NHL player. I think, I think having talked to scouts and talked to some people, I do believe Morgan Geeky is going to be a National Hockey League player. I just think it's going to take some time. So I think he's one to definitely point out as well. Uh, what about uh, Podorowski? Um, is, I mean, is, is he just a kind of a – we see it in baseball, we see it in hockey, where guys are just, you know, for whatever their reason is, sometimes it's size, sometimes it's speed – uh, they're just really good minor league players, not necessarily good NHL players. Uh, what's the read on Podorowski? You know, here's what the, the other factor is beyond the players' controls and time. Is do they, does, your, does the NHL team need you? Right. And for Andrew, was there really an open top six spot in which he was sort of the next guy to go? You can make the, the argument he, maybe he should have gone ahead of Kokanen, but I think Kokanen at that point was right there with him. You could have flipped a coin. And since then, there really hasn't been a need for Andrew Podorowski to go up and play a top-six role. So I don't see him as a bottom-six forward if he's going to play in the National Hockey League. He's a highly skilled guy. Um, he's somebody we rely on for offense all the time. He's scoring goals, 
is a premium. Not everybody can do it. Andrew does it regularly and contributes offensively. So I don't think he's done anything wrong. I think there's nothing wrong with his game at all. I think he's a very high-level player. I just think that maybe he just needs the opportunity to go up there and actually play play on a, on a regular basis and, and, and open people's eyes. Look at Greg McKegg. McKegg's right. an example. Nobody, nobody had Greg McKegg playing for the Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> nobody. He was Charlotte's player. He was signed to play for Charlotte. He got an opportunity to play. Why? As a result of Clark Bishop getting injured. Right. So Bishop gets injured. They need another center. They call it McKegg. He never comes back. That's as a result of having an opportunity and taking advantage of it. And you sometimes need that opportunity to come your way. Yeah, McKegg uh, scored in his first game. His name first star uh, in his first right. game, and of course the name right. McKegg. You know how you know how dopey we are. Uh, you couldn't make enough beer references. Uh, right. So uh, right. so there you go. All right, uh, to Alex Nedeljkovic. Uh, we saw him back up a couple of years ago in Columbus. He played really well in a no-pressure situation. He stopped all 17 uh, Blue Jackets shots he saw in relief of Cam Ward. Uh, he was called up a couple of times this year. Once he didn't dress or didn't play, and then the other time he got into a game in Vancouver. Uh, he gave up a couple of goals, but otherwise looked really good. In fact, it'd be hard hard-pressed to really tell the difference between the way Peter Mrazek plays and the way Alex Nedeljkovic plays. They battle. Uh, they use their athleticism. They're not particularly big. Uh, but Nedeljkovic impressed me as somebody who looked like the moment wasn't too big for Alex Nedeljkovic. I mean, numbers-wise, and they haven't been amazing unless you look at wins and losses, which they have been gaudy uh, for Charlotte. So what? what's your—I mean, they're ridiculously—I mean, they're yeah, they're gross. They're so good in terms of wins and losses for the for the Czech. Yeah, what have you seen uh, from him? He's 27-6-1, and one, so he's won 27 games <laughs> this year. He's got, I think, his highest save percentage of his career as a pro right now. Um Without Alex Adelkovic, the Checkers would not be where they are. I mean, as much as we have goal scoring in our defense has been pretty solid all year, we are nothing without Alex. Uh, he is the lifeblood of the team. As he goes, the team goes. Uh, he is a kid we were talking about before, like progress. You need to make progress. His first year, he was not ready to play in the, in the American Hockey League. He needed to play in the ECHL to get some confidence, which right. he did. Then he came into the American Hockey League the first two months of the season, his sophomore year. It was an adjustment period. He was winning games because we were scoring goals. Right. But it wasn't the Nedeljkovic, but he was a little bit better. And then we got to January, and he suddenly became he's just more confident. Now he was the guy. He was the number one. And then coming in this year, there was no dispute. He was going to be the number one goalie. And I'm telling you, at this point, he is playing the best hockey of his career right now. I watched him. I always watched our goalies and warm-ups. And I was watching him before a game, and I, I can't remember who we were playing. All these games blend together. But I'm watching him and Warm's going, he's not going to let a single goal in today. This kid is absolutely keyed in. And he, the, the puck is so big for him right now, he barely has to move. And you talked about his size. I wouldn't even count that as something against him, I think, in, because he's able to move so quickly laterally mm-hmm. and uh, get out and play the puck and all the attributes he has. This is a kid who will fight for an NHL spot next year. There's no reason to think otherwise. Well, I mean, if you're 27, 6, and 1, and his record, win loss record last year was not quite that, but not far off of it, um, you, right. he's, he has essentially accomplished everything he can accomplish. Obviously, it would be great uh, for this group to win a Calder trophy. So, uh, what do you think? What do you think about the possibility of this team winning an AHL title? 
You have to be uh, delusional to think that the number one team in the American Hockey League isn't a contender, so I'm not going to say that. But I'm also in – I see the mechanism every day. So what, like, what do they say? If you, you don't eat sausage if you get to see the way the sausage is being made. Sometimes right. you only look at the, at the team's deficiencies. You look at the roster and go, ah, these guys again? But, you know, the fact is this team finds a way to win most nights. Mm-hmm. They are highly competitive. Um, I do think there are some issues with the team, as there are with every team. Right. Here's the one factor that plays in this league that people maybe don't realize. There is no salary cap in the American Hockey League, okay? So <laughs> if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs right. and you want to make sure the Toronto Marlies are going to be competitive, you can sign whoever you want. You can have a $10 million payroll in the American Hockey League, which would be akin to the NHL team, one NHL team getting to spend $100 million. Mm-hmm. And you can ensure yourself with enough veterans that you're going to have a real chance at it. Nobody was going to beat the Marlies last year. There have been some NHL teams that had a hard time beating the Marlies in a seven-game series last year. Uh, the same could have been sent for Grand Rapids two years before that. Absolutely loaded, as they are this year. The Checkers are doing it with not that many veterans, right. with a young goalie still on an entry-level deal, and with a lot of young players, and they have the best talent pool in terms of young players in the league. So my hesitation is, the veteran leadership is thin, and you really, really need that. You really need that in the American League playoffs. So I still think this team will be very competitive. I think they're better than most teams they play on each and every night. We still have, I think, I, I don't know, what it is, 16 regular season games yep. to go. It's a best of five series in the first round, which is that's as scary as it gets. But if they can get past the first round and they can get the, their, their, their confidence going – uh, I, I believe this is the best chance I will have to call a Calder Cup final game in Charlotte. Jason Shia, the voice of the Checkers. I thank you so much. We'll see you again if we don't see – well, we probably won't see you this year, but uh, hopefully next year and, uh, and beyond. So I thank you so much for the time and appreciate you, uh, you letting me bug you. <laughs> no, it's not bugging me at all. I love talking about hockey and the Checkers and the Canes, so thanks a lot. And uh, – I hope you and I are, when well, next time we talk, we're talking about the Canes and uh, Checkers playoff runs. We can, uh, we can swap playoff conversations. There you go. I'm, I'm game. I thank Mike Foreman, the vice president of marketing and brand strategy for the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, if you are uh, in the building, expect push notifications. I love those. Uh, but uh, they want to engage with you. They want to find out what you like and maybe what you don't like. Nobody likes parking, right? I get it. Uh, And I want to thank Jason Shia, the voice of the Charlotte Checkers, for joining us as well. We return to your regularly scheduled uh, gloating about the Hurricanes, who have been amazing here in the calendar year 2019 next week. Uh, Until then, uh, I'm Adam Gold. We'll see you at the rink. Thanks. That's this week's Canes Corner with Adam Gold. Download or subscribe to our podcast every Monday during the Carolina hurricane season in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen at WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. And don't forget, for the latest Canes coverage, log on to WRALsportsfan.com. Every game on the Canes radio flagship, 99.9 The Fan.